Today on the Nerd Outcast podcast, we talk about The Witcher. We're going to talk about The Witcher, which some people know as a interesting TV show. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, some really excellent video games, a very interesting book series. It's a pretty broad topic that my guests have various experiences with. And uh, I would argue America probably also has a specific uh, experience with uh, this series. So my first guest has been on the show before. He's sitting in the room here with me. What is your name? My uh, Pete Navis. Yay, welcome back, Pete. Thanks. Uh, so Polish author, right? He's yes. a Polish author. I had to um, look up how to pronounce his name. Yeah, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, apparently it's Andrzej Sapkowski. Okay, yeah. I feel that's like right up your alley being a, a linguist. Uh, uh, I mean... I. I had to look it up, so I don't feel good about that. <laughs> you don't but. feel good about it? Okay. Just give me your diploma then. That's all right. Yeah, I turned it in. Um, so uh, you you have been talking to me about The Witcher for a long time. Um, have I? Yeah. Probably in, uh, before 2007, Yes, I guess. but but like way uh, back when. Like, like you were keyed into this series long before, I would argue. Yeah. Maybe even Henry Cavill. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to make that claim, but... Um, yeah, I, I played the first game around when it came out. Um, second one as well. I actually just recently played the third one because I had to upgrade my computer to be able to do that. Okay, all right. Uh, in the way that it deserved. And have been getting into the books too. Awesome. Cool. Uh, we'll hold your thoughts. We'll jump into it really soon. Uh, my other guest is also here in Los Angeles uh, in the comfort of his own home. And what is your name, my friend? Hey, my name is Jake Nzinza. Welcome back, Jake. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. I'm yeah. excited to talk about The Witcher. Yeah, I, this is going to be a really strange one just because of just how this net has been cast with this property. Um, I think, the, did we have you on, we had you on Star Wars, didn't we? That was the last time you were on. Is that right? Yeah, they're very they're very similar. They're related, actually, I think. Oh, The Witcher and Star Wars? Yeah, I'm sure of it. We'll get some some good slash fic in there. <laughs> All right, you you've you've made your thesis claim. You're gonna have to pitch this during the show, so oh, no. I, I look forward to what it. Have I, what have I done? <laughs> awesome, sir. Hold on to your thoughts. We'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, my other experts are over in Chicago. Uh, my first friend has been on the show before. What is your name? Sean Okerberg. Well, hello, Sean. Welcome back. Oh, hello. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to be here. It's good to have you on the show. Um, Sean, just real quick, um, just so people can uh, kind of get to know you, uh, what are some of just your general like favorite maybe fantasy books or fantasy in general? Um, yeah. Uh, fantasy books? Uh, I first fell in love with the Lord of the Rings stuff. That was my entry. Um, I really like the, the Wheel of Time series. Um, yeah, those okay. are my fantasy books right now. Awesome. Very cool. Um, we'll hold on to your thoughts. We will jump into this momentarily. My last expert has been on the show before. He is also in Chicago. Please introduce yourself, my friend. I'm Mark Soloth. Hi, Mark. Hi. How you doing? Pretty good. I don't know why. Every time I'm on your your podcast, Chris, and I introduce myself, you say hello to me as though I'm a puppet. <laughs> 
and it's gotta stop. Oh, you're right. I do. Like I'm I like do. I'm like I'm Mark Soloff, and you're like, hey, Mark, hey, Mark, uh, you my know, good friend from improv. <laughs> I, it might be the improv connection. <laughs> yeah, like I'm improv. just I'm just ready to share the stage. You know, like I'm I am not a puppet. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a manly puppet. Uh, well, you know, it's gotten worse since I've had a daughter. I I I treat everybody like little kids now, and and oh. and even the smallest thing that you do, I'm very impressed with. So, um, oh, thank you. Finally, yeah. uh, Mark, fatherly you, approval. <laughs> Mark, you are you're in the same boat as Pete because you were like throwing the Witcher in my face long before I I got into the Witcher. Um, uh, yeah, do you remember that? I don't remember throwing it in your face. <laughs> I I was probably there are a few like fantasy sci-fi properties that I know back when you lived in Chicago I talked to you about and I was like dumbfounded and slightly offended that you had no interest or no knowledge of them. <laughs> yeah, people usually get really offended when I don't know certain nerd things. I don't know why. Yeah. It is it's a thing. Um well, welcome back to the show, friend. Uh let's get started. So the Witcher, let's just set the stage real quick. The Witcher is a Polish series, a fantasy series by the author that Pete named earlier at the top of the show that I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce. Um, a bunch of different books, mainly in the 90s, but a couple in the 2000s. I think I think what we say, like six to eight books, I think total is, is what uh, he has written thus far. And then followed by video games in 2011, 2011, and 2015, and now a Netflix series starring Henry Cavill. So let's let's go back in time. Uh, and for those of you that have experience with the books, um, what are these books like? Because I, I, I probably the majority of Americans only know The Witcher from Netflix, which was very well received, and we'll talk about that. And then I would argue the video games is where people kind of found their love for The Witcher. So what do the books do? Are they are they Lord? You know, are they trying to be Lord of the Rings? Um, like what? Are they good? Are they not good? Like what are what you know? For those of you who have experience with the books, what are your critiques of them? Um, I'll I'll dive in here and cover the first couple, and then Mark, if you want to take some more, because I know you've re- you've read or listened to more of them than I have. Um, sure. They actually feel exactly like the TV show. Um, it's very episodic. So you like, you read a chapter and then somebody's like, oh, and did you remember that time that such and such happened? And then the next chapter is set in like four years in the past. And you get oh. this like, this like, you know, 12 page story about Geralt had to go to this thing and fight this thing and do this. Huh? Yeah. It's so it's. It's a really easy read. Um, it it has a very sort of disillusioned contemporary tone to it, mm-hmm. which I think I think it's not trying to be the Lord of the Rings. I would say, m- much like a lot of us, it feels like the author read the Lord of the Rings as a kid and then grew up and was really disappointed that the real world is not anything like that. Because. <laughs> Because um, Geralt, the Witcher, is also somebody who, who was trained for this world that is ceasing to exist. It's getting replaced by civilization. So he's kind of losing his hmm. his role. No, these are all great thoughts. I'm really surprised about the um, kind of shifting in time 
uh, does it do? Does it pull a Game of Thrones where each chapter is a different point of view, or not really? The, okay. the story is basically Geralt's perspective. Oh, it's not um, uh, uh, Yennefer or. Uh, um, I can only speak to the first couple of books okay. so far, so it may it may develop further that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, that is that is about as much as I've experienced. And what blew me away is those first couple of books are what they used as source material for a lot of the TV show episodes, and they are like the best adaptations hmm. I could have imagined, like far better than any other like adapted material that I've run across. Okay. Um, Mark, just being the other person who's who's kind of dived into the books, do you agree with some of the things Pete is throwing down? Or yeah, I do. Um, it's it's interesting the comparison with Tolkien because um, like the 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 Witcher world is really it's an unhappy and unfair one. Like I was thinking about nobles and like in the world of the Witcher, there are no like pure of heart, good people, um, authority figures, everybody, like even the, the like kind of Templar character, um, who's like virtuous knight, like virginal guy who wants to just slay a dragon. Even he is like, like a deranged zealot and like all of his like pseudo virtues, um, are, are, you know, they're, they're what we would look at, um, uh, by modern standards like who the hell is this guy like what's wrong with him that he's like my fair lady let me help you across the mud like nobody does that so like Geralt is our good guy and even Geralt is like morally ambiguous um you know he uses a human being as bait for the striga in uh one of the first um adventures he has uh which we see dramatized in one of the video games and also in uh one of the episodes of the Netflix series. Um, so it's it's dark um, and it's unfair. And I think maybe that makes like the bright spots that much brighter. Um, but there's like, there's no Shire. <laughs> there's no right. Gandalf. It sounds a little bit, I mean, it sounds like you're just speaking of, I don't know which one of you said this, but the this just being kind of an unhappy world, um, that kind of sounds like Game of Thrones to me. I think his books predate Martin's by maybe a year. Um, I'm not entirely sure of that. Um, but I mean, I feel like Game of Thrones is very much <laughs> every yeah. life sucks. And... Yeah, I think they're they're both the product of kind of the shift in worldview that we had in the late 20th century, where like you sort of saw that like every governmental system had problems. Mm-hmm. So you've got these these works of fiction in which if somebody's in power, it means they sacrificed something and they screwed somebody over to get where they are. Mm. Like there's no good people running the world because they all made compromises. Right. Well, and like uh, something that strikes me just of the two worlds is, you know, Game of Thrones is an unhappy world where magical things are coming back and the Witcher kind of feels a little bit almost the opposite of that where it's an unhappy world and he's a Witcher but he's, you know, the world is changing. Men have, men are coming into the world. There are still monsters, but they're taking it away from elves. And the way the world used to be is just kind of shifting. Um, yeah, that's just something, it's just something I notice between those two series, you know, versus Lord of the Rings or whatever. 
Um, yeah, anything else specific to the books? Like, is... Um, one fun thing that happens is that all of the fairy tales and fantasy stories of our world are part of the history of Geralt's world. Like, like uh, somebody's like, oh yeah, you know that one cursed princess who was like exiled by her stepmother and mm. then like met up with like seven gnomes and they formed this like roving band of warriors in the woods and with like waylay passersby. And then this huntsman was sent to kill her, but like he raped her and then like <laughs> let her go free. Like they're all really, really dark, but they're, it's clear that like, this is the world of fairy tales, mm. but they don't have happy endings. No, no. Well, and I mean, like, uh, I mean, one of the episodes in the show touched on this. Um, I haven't experienced this yet in the games, but this, you know, the world was the world of elves and then not the convergence. What do they call it when? What was it? Was it the convergence? The, the conjunction of the spheres. The conjunction of the spheres. Sorry, I'm thinking MCU of convergence. Um, you know, when when man was brought here or whatnot, uh, and the elves are like losing their world. Um, man, humans are just always portrayed as just horrible, horrible things. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I wonder like, why that is. Yeah, no, why is that? I don't know why that is. Um, awesome. Uh, so... You have these books, uh, which we may or may not come back to, uh, and they decided to make a video game out of them. Um, and I, so so he, he he sold the video game rights to the books for ten thousand dollars. Oh, the fool! Yeah, and then like ten years later, was like. I think I'm going to sue you guys for like millions of dollars because clearly you're making money off this. Oh, did he really? Yeah, a couple of years ago there was some big hush hush settlement. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. I know Andre. Uh, I don't know how you say his name. I'm so sorry. Andre. Andre uh, was is My dinner n- with Andres. Thank you. Right. Um, is not happy with the Netflix series. Um, like he's just kind of he's just um, it's just not his thing. You know, like, obviously it's his books being adapted, but, you know, he's like, read my books. I don't care about that. <laughs> you know, good luck, whatever. Well, and that was his attitude toward the games, too. And yeah. And they made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, um, I think this is where, you know, the rest of the world comes into play. Because, I remember, again, Pete, I remember you telling me about The Witcher, the first game, a long time ago. Um, and the same with Witcher 2. And then Witcher 3 came out, and everybody lost their shit because it's so amazing and, like, won a ton of awards and has been ported to every system and is so good. It's like if Mass Effect 3 was, like, 10,000 leagues above Mass Effect 1 and 2 is is the way. Yeah. I had never even heard of the Witcher series until 3 came out. Yeah. It, I feel like it just wasn't on the radar for a lot. Well, and and like I had heard of the series, but I had heard of it as an okay series, so I had doubts that the third game could be as good as everybody said it was until I played it and I was like, oh my God, this is really, really good. Um, 
which is interesting because I've tried to go back to the first two games since then and I couldn't get into them. <laughs> I couldn't get into them. So so let's let's just full on take the games, um, my friends. Um, the video games, what what are great about them? What you know, what draws you to them of the ones you've played? And if you've played all three, like what's the differences between which are one, two, and three, and which one do you prefer, if any? Three is the right answer, but I mean it's whatever. <laughs> Um, Jake, you look like you have thoughts. Uh, yeah, I have a I have an interesting relationship with The Witcher Two because The Witcher Two was always like a a title that I had desperately wanted to run, but my computer was never like good enough, and um, so I would run it in a horrible, you know, like frame rate. It would look like you know, it would look awful, uh, but I got to play it, so it kind of scratched that um a bit deeper than Baldur's Gate but not quite to the um the same like type of game that like say the Elder Scrolls titles were so that that's what kind of drew me in especially to number two uh and there was a, there was so much talk about it you know in in my circles and I worked at a video game store so I'd always see it on the shelf and I'd get mad because I couldn't run it and um but just a lot of talk was like this is a a difficult role-playing game you have to prepare your spells you have to be ready for what could come at you and and uh that just sort of like intrigued me and i hadn't my my eyes hadn't been opened to dungeons and dragons yet so it was kind of like uh less of a less of a direct sort of um more narrative base that i would say that like the elder scrolls is where you're following along in a uh you know a big epic story that you kind of kind of choose but uh, more of like that sort of gritty dark fantasy. Um, so The Witcher Two really drew me in, and I was just so very pleased that it came out eventually on the Xbox, which is where I played the most of it. The Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, that is. You know that that's a really great point you bring up. Um, I think like the console accessibility is probably what really helped the series. Um, it, are Witcher One and Two open world like big adventure games? Actually, are they pretty open world? Uh, one is more open than than two. Two is well known for being more linear than the first game. So maybe you know, um, I think the first one I, I had such a hard time getting into because it was so open. Yeah, um, like they felt really open world for their time. But I think mm. nowadays you wouldn't call them that, right? Because you've got like like a defined section of map that like this chunk of story takes place in. Yeah. And then you move to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Witcher, th- specifically three, you know, is is Breath of the Wild, is Red Dead Redemption, is uh, Skyrim. Like, it's very much like, go wherever you want. Good luck. Um, you know? Um, so I didn't know if the first two games were, followed that template or not. It's open like the Knights of the, of the Old Republic is open. Huh. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, my other guests, what what are your thoughts thus far on the games? Well, I have not played the first two. Um, I've only played the the third, but that's that was how I got introduced to the world of Witcher Three and what drew me to the the show. And I actually, when I first played Witcher Three, I was not that like I appreciated what it was. It's the kind of role playing uh, uh, game that I really like where like you said you can go anywhere there's you can um log in for 15 minutes and just like oh i'll go see what this question mark is or you know or you can you know log in for longer and play 
through a storyline and it had great storytelling but uh yeah i found it really challenging so i um uh that kind of uh kept me from delving into it further uh but then watching the series made me go back to it and uh really playing it and so yeah it's it's a really good just open world you can do whatever you want but it also has great storytelling and um uh, I like the combat because you have to, like, like you said, ha- you need to know what you're fighting. And so once I kind of got the hang of, uh, like, switching to my, uh, to your glossary and looking up exactly how to defeat certain creatures, it, um, it became a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I forget who introduced me to Witcher Three, but I played it and I loved it. Um, played it on PS4. Uh, and I was, that like ignited the Witcher flame in my heart. And so that's, you know, I, I started getting into the books after, uh, clocking Witcher three. And then I discovered, you know, these other Witcher games are on older consoles. So I got, um, Witcher two and I dusted off the Xbox 360 and I played like, I don't know, four hours of it, but like the, the difference in graphics and in gameplay feel was just like you could feel the age of the Witcher 2 and it really bummed me out because there was a lot of exciting stuff like it starts out and in like level one there's a a dragon and dragons in the world of the Witcher are like extremely rare uh so I was like whoa they just give you they just throw that dragon right in there first thing (laughs) um and also like the opening CGI kind of like teaser animation that like sets up the um inciting incident of the story for the second video game um it looks great it's like you know obviously not not the like models from the game moving around it's like they got someone who does like great cgi um and it's just like this infiltration assassination scene um and it was so cool and uh all that stuff was really neat, but it the game's age itself was just um, appalling. <laughs> no, it just, huh. it, it just, I, I could not stick with it in a world where there's like Arkham Knight and I can like look at dazzling lights and fly from rooftops and stuff. And I've already beat Witcher 3, which is, sorry, a better game. I, I mean, are you able to go, just, just since you bring it up, are you able to go back to like Arkham Asylum or Arkham City? You know, that's a good question. Um, I have uh, noodled around in Arkham Asylum a little bit, uh, like last year, and yeah, it it did feel older, but not not the the jump was not as big as as like Witcher three to Witcher two. I mean, I don't know, like the character design of Geralt changed, and (laughs) what they were using. In Witcher Two, and I think in Witcher One. Oh, you, yeah, Witcher this, One like, face. This hideous <laughs> snake man. <laughs> he looks terrible. He looks truly awful. Yeah, I don't know. I regularly replay PS One games, so like wow. <laughs> those are really ugly. Um, I I think there's a difference though. When, yeah. when you look at a game like say Vagrant Story, like I can still appreciate that, or play Metal Gear Solid. But then if you play something like the first Spyro, like no, I don't. That's I don't so fascinating. Pete, you laughed earlier when when we were talking about Witcher one, two, and three. Why? Yeah, the why difference in the games. Um, so like, I I played these in order, and and got in like, basically when they were coming out. Um, Witcher one is 
super hard. Huh. Like, like I'm a gamer and I was like, I could play this on normal difficulty. And you get to the sort of like the boss at the end of the first section. And I, I just couldn't do anything with it. Huh. Um, the combat is almost like, uh, like Dragon's Lair. Where, like, you have to click your attack at just the right time to, like, keep your attack chain going. That's not a good compliment. It didn't, (laughs) it, like, it was not stylistically, like, what I really love. But, like, the story was great. Um, Hmm. Which I can summarize for you guys if you want. I I look at the speaker as though you guys can see me look at the speaker. That isn't, uh... (laughs) They're right there. Um, Yeah, so Witcher 1... Spoiler alert, Geralt dies in a peasant uprising. Um, Everyone assumes that he is dead until he comes like stumbling out of the fog and has amnesia and doesn't know anybody, which is a convenient way to introduce the player to the world Mm. because, of course, nobody in America had heard of any of this at that point either. Yeah. So it's a a good way for to have like an NPC walk up and be like, ah, yes, you're a witcher. This is what witchers do. Here's your sword. Here's your other sword. Here's your elixirs. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to me now because there are major, major characters in the story that do not appear in the first two games. Hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there's no Yennefer. Wow. Yeah. Is Vesemir there? Yes. Okay. He's he's basically the one who kind of like reintroduces you to Re-introduce. what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the the first game is a whole you rescue a kid who's another like child of destiny, and, and it's not Siri. Nope. Okay. He's Alvin, and you're attempting to protect him from this scourge that is going around and like wiping out magic users. Which is another theme of the books and the games is that there's this modern civilizing force that doesn't want anybody using magic because right. it's messed up, it's old fashioned, which it turns out is actually this same kid. Because at one point he used his abilities to escape danger, went back in time, aged, and is now basically taking his vengeance on all the people who failed to protect him in the first place. Isn't that one of the Deadpool movies? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> no, I think that that sounds really cool. And I know I know the it's second a great story, and it, it kind of blows your mind when you get that reveal that like, oh, this is the guy who's been behind all this was that little six-year-old kid from that first scene. Well, and like I like the the opening cutscene is him fighting that werewolf, right? Or some, it's, uh, he's, the it's, it's the Striga. It's the Striga. Yeah. Um, and then the second game opens with that, the assassination on the boat. Yes. Which, um, like Mark said, is, a, is an amazing is scene. It's so amazing. Um, but I had the same problem. I couldn't, I just couldn't get into the games. And I don't know, I was playing them on PC and I really didn't, something about the controls didn't work very well for me on PC. I mm. couldn't really put my finger on it. Which is weird because I played a ton of Dragon Age on PC and that worked really well for yeah. me. Um, Witcher Two definitely it it simplifies the combat and the skill system and the like the potion system. Uh, it adds a bunch of optional weapons that are like sort of useless. Like don't bother with traps and nonsense. Um, right. The story it's it's weird because Witcher One the story is pretty big and sprawling and in Two it feels like it's much more focused. Hmm. Um, like you're, you're kind of dropped in the middle of a civil war. Okay. Um, with Kings getting assassinated and you get framed for it. Siri in the second game? Nope. God. (laughs) No, Triss is like your huge ally in the first couple of games. Like she's your kind of access to the world of the, 
the sorceresses. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting that that at least specifically Siri is not in the first two games because obviously she's in the Netflix show and she's in The Witcher Three. So like it, and somebody... she's in the books right from the start. Oh, she is. Yeah, like the first book includes the scene where he, you know, intervenes at her mom's betrothal oh, at the uh, and he makes the yeah. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, the the law of surprise. The law of surprise. Yes, yeah. I love that. I think that's such a fun idea. Uh, but I'll let you guys talk about Witcher Three because I've been a little. <laughs> yeah. So then there's the third game, which is like really good. And I remember, I I remember a review I read of it that said, you know, almost every Witcher Three side plot, the writing is better than almost any other game's main plot. Um, which I find to be very true um, across the board, you know, from the writing to the acting. Um, it's just really good storytelling. Like, what a fun what a fun project to have been, like, a writer on. Or maybe it was a nightmare. I don't know. <laughs> but, but like, it, like, they just did it so well. Um, and, yeah, you take that and throw in a little just open world, and it's brilliant so what what like the witcher 3 is is this everybody's favorite game am i or is somebody like one of the other two games better no. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that's quite all right um what is it what do you think it is about the third game that really vaulted the series to like worldwide acclaim if i can step in just really quick um because i know what we're all going to say is gwent obviously uh, <laughs> you no, know i miss that dice was, poker <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a weird it's a really weird thing. I, I'm not much one for card games in in games that aren't based around that being the game itself. Uh, like Final Fantasy VIII, I, I didn't get into it, um, but I I went deep into Gwent. That is not the reason why it's so successful, but um, God, that's addicting. I really love Gwent, and there's a, a, a couple cards that you could totally miss in the first. I think White. What is that first area called? White, White. Orchard. White Orchard, yeah, you can, you can certainly miss, I think, two cards if you don't win and never come back and get them, from what I understand, unless they patched it. I hope that they did, because that's just cruel. So wait, you think it's Gwent? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I, but I mean, for me, it was Gwent. Uh, I, I, I have the physical Gwent. I went out and I bought it. Um, I love it. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's just a, a weird obsession within an already obsessive game, which is... Um, yeah, it's pretty much the only game I played for a long time uh, was The Witcher 3. And then I also played Gwent for hours and hours and hours while I played it. You know, Jake, just to piggyback off what you said, um, I'm, I think I'm opposite you. I'm opposite Jake because I hate Gwent. Um, oh, cool. I I went like crazy deep into the card game in Final Fantasy VIII. And I went crazy deep into Blitzball in Final Fantasy X. So, oh, bless you. Yes. So like... I see Gwent in the what I'm sure is great. I'm sure Gwent is great, but I'm just like, no, this game is too huge. I don't have time. I no, no, but which Chris, is no. Don't don't you just love the absurdity of Geralt, badass monster slayer, just sits down with a king and says, "So you want to play Gwent?" And then that's that's what happens. That is brilliant. That is, I, I want to play Gwent with a troll. That's what I wanted. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Can um, I throw out my own cautionary tale of Gwent? 
Um, so I played the KOTOR games, and there's in Star Wars, there's Sab- Sabak or Sabak, mm-hmm. um, which is like their in game little uh, gambling thing. And, um, you know, I, I learned enough of those rules that I played it and won some credits or whatever. But ultimately, I was like, I kind of wasted my gaming time. I should be shooting Imperial officers and stuff. So with Witcher, when it was like, everyone's like, hey, you want to throw them down? I was like, no, I don't want to play Gwen. I don't want to learn a stupid card game. And so I went through and I played a lot of Witcher and I got to the big city, Novigrad. Um, and spoilers, there is a mission that involves um, having to play a hand of Gwent. And if you lose, they kill a person. Um, I don't, I don't know what happens if you win. They might kill that person anyway, but I was like, oh, I don't know Gwent well enough and my deck sucks. Oh no. And I lost and they killed a guy, the bad guys, um, because I lost and I was like, never again. I, I vow to learn Gwent and I'm not going (laughs) to let anyone else die on my watch. Mark, (laughs) you warned me about this before I played the game. You were like, oh, The Witcher 3 is so great. Learn to play Gwent, Chris. Learn to play Gwent or people die. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, I hate Gwent so much. Yeah. Like, seriously, it's like if you're Batman... But every five minutes, you have to play, like, a game of cribbage with a really <laughs> clunky control system. It's so, and it, goes, it takes, like, 15 minutes to play the game. And then, like, you lose, like, $3. And then you're but like... There's, there's also cards with Geralt on them. So it's like Batman playing Batman Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> It helps me. <laughs> what a, what a, what a, what a, I mean, you know, go for it, Project CD Red. Like, you're going to make a really huge game, and then within that world, you're going to make a really addictive card game. Go for it, you know, uh, yeah. And um, I think that's a great thing about, uh, that's uh, a great thing about role-playing games. I, too, did not get into Gwent. Like, I played one or two hands, and I was just like, okay, this is not for me. But a game that can have all sorts of those mechanics that, um, you don't necessarily have to do. I mean, if you want to save every life, yes, you have to have to play it. But it's it you can still enjoy the game without necessarily doing all those different things. So I think that's that shows what what a good game it is. I I do think it's weird though that in Witcher Two, like they basically have the same thing, but it's just like you're playing Yahtzee against <laughs> like everybody in every random tavern. They're all like, you want to play some dice poker? <laughs> and like a couple years later in Witcher Three. Nobody's playing dice poker anymore. Everybody's got these cards now. (laughs) And it's kind of like, it's like in the 90s we had Pogs and then like Magic the Gathering came out and everybody was like, why are you still playing Pogs? Like, (laughs) So so to bring it back to the actual Witcher game series, uh, specifically Witcher 3, what, what does Witcher 3 do that sets it apart from like Skyrim or, or Red Dead Redemption, um, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, what does it do to, to succeed? And I mean, all those games are well-received. Um, but what do you all think Witcher 3 does to set itself apart from other huge open-world games? The writing is a huge um, boon to it. You know, the stakes are very high. It's like apocalyptic stakes. But also the personal stakes are very high for Geralt, who has this surrogate daughter character, Ciri, who he's trying to find and who, like, like the the Nazis of 
Witcher world, the Nilfgaardians, are also trying to, like, grab and control. Uh, you know, there's, like, big war happening in the background. There's, like, supernatural apocalypse on the horizon. There's Geralt's, like, emotional uh, uh, life and family life. You know, his, like, estranged um, deep love with Yennefer, like, and and all of this stuff is just, like, weaving in and out while he's trying to do his job of killing monsters and getting, like, a bag of pennies for it. Um, and so you've got all of that great storytelling, like, moral ambiguity in a lot of the quests where it's like, slay the werewolf, but it's actually kind of sad because somebody made that werewolf into a werewolf because they had a crush on him and it didn't work out right. You know, um, you've got really, like, kind of adult storytelling um, and then all of that is in this really interesting world, this interesting intellectual property, um, which hasn't been done to death like like KOTOR. You know, KOTOR is really cool, but we're all like, yeah, yeah, that little Yoda guy, he's going to be the Yoda of this game. We're all familiar with how this works. We're going to build our lightsaber. We know how it goes. Um, the Witcher world seems more of a fresh spin on a few familiar fantasy tropes. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned like the the kind of gray area that a lot of his killings take place in. Like, I, it just made me think. Like, I recently did this quest in Witcher Three, where there's this succubus in I think Novigrad, um, and you know, like she's killing people, and you finally like catch up with her, and she's like, "Look, I have to be here because I can't be out there anymore because of what humans have done to the world and blah 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 and all this stuff." So she's like, "You can kill me." But, you know, I'm just trying to survive and da 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 And it really, it, it really does play with its fantasy tropes really in interesting ways. I think that's a really good, um, like, just look at how the, why The Witcher 3 sort of stands on its own and why it's special is because there's a lot of things that other um, experiences with role-playing games like tabletop RPG do really, really well and kind of give you that feeling of, like, a lived-in world, especially if you're Dungeon Master, like, likes that sort of a, a, a game to run. But with The Witcher, you get, not only get, do you get to play a video game, but you get the sense that there is, um, the, the world that you inhabit is inhabited by others and there are consequences. So it's not just always you killing the goblin, saving the day, maybe that goblin, they had to move here because of this, you know, other army of people move them into that forest. So you kind of have that sort of, you can either kill an enemy or, you know, um, parlay with a troll. And to have that option, to have that freedom makes me as a player know, yes, I'm playing this character, but almost to kind of give my own agency to the character. Sean, what about you? As somebody who, who just kind of dived in with, the best game. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think it's, um, yeah, first and foremost, I agree that it's the writing. Like, it's um, the cutscenes, the the what you're doing is always so interesting, and the, like, the voiceover, like, you're helping a baron, but to find out the intricacies of his relationship with his family and alcohol and, you know, all of these kinds of things, as opposed to just, you know, oh, go to this spot and kill you know, five, um, rats and, you know, and come back. Um, like it, it creates an interesting game loop where sometimes it is that sometimes you go to this spot and kill X number of things and come back, but it, 
so often it will change what that loop is. It'll change what you're doing. And, um, and, and also I think the, this, the character of Geralt uh, really helps, helps interact with the world because the idea of a witcher is somebody who just goes from town to town um, killing monsters and picking up jobs. And so to have that as you, like who you are helps you just explore the world and helps you just kind of ride into town and find out what's messed up about this little village and help fix it and, um, and then move on to the next thing. Uh, so I think the, the character helps a lot. I, the way you move about the world is interesting. Like you can, uh, you have jump points so that you're not like, um, I'm thinking Red Dead Redemption, where you just spend so long just riding your horse. You can skip over some of that, um, but yet you are also um, do need to explore the world a little bit. So I think they balance that right. Like just how you move about the world is, is even interesting. I, I love, I mean, you mentioned the Baron, uh, the guy in the swamp, who when you first run across him, he's just this like cruel local Baron who's like oppressing the populace. But like you get to know the character and you, like you learn why he is like he is and what has happened in his life. And he really, I mean, I know you can go different ways with the plot depending on how you treat him. Yep. <laughs> but at least in how I played it, like this dude became this super sympathetic character. And like you could you could see him change his path, which doesn't happen a lot with NPCs. Like, did he know. change his path in your yours? Absolutely. Oh, he's still alive. Yeah. Oh, he killed. He uh, hung himself in my game. <laughs> no, in mine he he took his his wife, I think, or his daughter, yeah. whichever one is the surviving family member. He like took them off to a hospital to like tend them. Mm. He was like. I can't run this town anymore because this is more important. Yeah. Yeah. He, he killed himself in my game. Wow. Um, you are a rough. Garrett. No, no. I was good to him. <laughs> Just bad things happened. Um, That's the thing about Witcher 3 that there are so many like small conversations that you have that have a great effect on the, the plot line where I, I felt, I felt kind of like a, a couple of the times I would like look ahead and go like, Oh, I don't usually do that, but that I felt like really invested in like relationships with characters. I wanted them to survive. So I looked ahead. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it, you can't, you can't predict it. No. Cause like sometimes you'll run across somebody and like being nice to them, like when they really need a slap in the face, mm-hmm. you know, if you coddle them, they end up dead five minutes later. Yeah. It, part, parts of the Witcher three really strike me as, um, you know, having writing on par with Mass Effect, uh, maybe better. Um, you know, like Mass Effect is really the only other game series that that immediately jumps to mind that I'm like, oh, these are just really well written. There's other problems with Mass Effect, but the writing is usually, and the execution of the writing is usually really fantastic. And The Witcher has that in spades. Or whatever the Gwent terminology would be. God. <laughs> um... Uh, have you guys have you guys played uh, the expansion Hearts of Stone? No. Oh yeah, that that one got me. Yeah, that was great. You, you I have a go ahead. I have a mission. I, I haven't finished Hearts of Stone, and I haven't played the uh, the Vampire one yet. So I still have more Witcher to Ooh. play. I just have not. I'm done I'm it. also partway through uh, Blood and Wine. But yeah, Hearts, of, Hearts of Stone. Play Blood I guess and Wine. It's it's it takes that fairy tale like kind of background stuff and makes it the foreground, and it's like 
it's such a non-Witcher type world that you get to visit. You kind of visit like the wine country of of <laughs> of Geralt's world, but it's also like it really fits and it really works. Um, and it's such a like brilliant color palette swap, um, but still very much a part of the 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 monster filled political intrigue filled world that Geralt exists in. And well, it's great for like quarantine times when we're all stuck inside in the winter because it's just a beautiful environment to look at. It, it yeah, it, it, and that's something I don't know if we've touched on this a lot, but one thing I do like about the games and the show is is his job of just being a monster hunter. Um, I don't know if the game will keep doing this, but but one thing I really like that the game forces you as the player to deal with is like how are you going to kill this monster you know like these are the the you know based on your research and clues like these are the things you know um you know with your witcher vision or whatever batman vision that he has um and how with this information are you going to kill this monster uh which there it feels a little bit like arkham the arkham series where you potentially have a couple different ways to work through a, a group of enemies or an encounter or whatnot um, what do you all feel about that part? That's that's definitely something that I like. I think sets this game apart a bit is that um, like in Skyrim, you can just just double down on swinging a sword. And so everything you approach, you just swing that sword, swing that sword. Whereas this one, you have to learn. Um, and sometimes the plot line is him just researching and, you know, researching this creature that's out there and what it's weak to and how how you approach it and approach it in different steps and, and, and things like that. So I think that, yeah, I think that's one of the things that definitely sets this game apart. I think it's, I think it's really cool because with like the, the Batman analogy, I mean, Batman being like the detective still is learning as he's going and, and improvising in the moment. And I think you get a lot of that from the Witcher where yes, he's a monster hunter and monster slayer, but he still sometimes has to figure it out as he's going. And as a player, when you're seeing the expert and when you're playing the expert, kind of figuring it out, you learn as well. So it feels like it's new to you, um, which I think what really what draws me into the constant. Well, I don't know what a striga is or I don't know what, you know, whatever monster it is. So he'll kind of like begrudgingly go through it and then be surprised and then have to take a different um, approach to it. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's also the fact that your your best approach is not always to go kill the monster. And like this is this is just part of who Geralt is. He's yeah. he's always portrayed as like the anomaly among Witchers, in that like he really wants to like like somebody will be like, hey, I'll I'll pay you fifty orans to go kill that werewolf, and he's like, well, let me go talk to the werewolf first and get his <laughs> side of the story. <laughs> let me go chat with the werewolf. You is he true neutral? Is he true neutral in your eyes? Is he is he oh. is, is he a little good in that D and D alignment? I, what I, is he? I, I think he's probably neutral good, but he would never tell you that. Right. Like, he's 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 Han Solo. Hmm. You know, he's that guy who, like, by reputation, he's only in it for the money. But he constantly makes decisions that are against his own self-interest in order to do the right thing. Is he portrayed that way in the first two games? Not as heavily. Okay. Um... I mean, a bit. Like, the second game, he constantly insists that he's not going to get caught up in politics, but the whole game is about him getting caught up in politics. 
And it's it's choosing sides between the humans and the elves is like the big decision in that game. I think you also gotta kind of gotta wonder too, like when those when the game first game came out, like the precedent for the amount of voiceover or or whatever else wasn't like tremendously high. So I'm I'm kind of wondering how much story can you get across with you know as little uh, either like dialogue or text as possible. Not to say that it was like you know two D or whatever, but just like a feeling I have from like some of the older games where there's not a ton of like character depth. Um, at least I didn't get that from when I went back to the, even to the second game. Yeah, there's there's in the in the first two games I would say there's only a few characters that stand out as individuals, whereas in three it seems like every side quest that's more than just like go kill three of these and then come back and talk to the blacksmith, like those NPCs feel like real people. Yeah, I mean, like, there was, God, it's, there was a side quest in the third game where, like, these two guys are talking to this voice in a hole and, and worshiping this voice in a hole. And Geralt's like, okay, I'm, there's this voice in the hole. I'm going to go see what that's about. And you, it's a troll who's just like, oh, I need money and I need food. Da, da, da. And Geralt's like, oh, well, you're telling these people to do these things. You know, you got to stop or I'm going to kill. Like, it's, it's just so much. So many crazy fun banana layers on top of banana layers that just work, and it's great. <laughs> but since we're talking about Geralt, I think now's a great time to talk about the show and Henry Cavill's Geralt. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. So the TV series, Netflix decided to make a TV series of The Witcher, I guess based on a combination of, well, probably the books really, but if everyone knows the video games, uh, and they announced Henry Cavill as the star in hopes of maybe taking in some of the money that Game of Thrones was about to leave on the table. I don't know. Uh, and... Henry Cavill showed up for a screen test and everybody was like, what? That wig looks awful. And then the show came out and that started 2020, mind you. Uh, and wow. it's, it's good. It's good. I don't think the show is as good as Game of Thrones, but it's, it's fun. Well, it's different. Right? Yeah, it is different. That's, that's fair. Game of Thrones takes of itself Thrones. really, really seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Witcher has dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to bring it to around to something you mentioned, Mark, um, you re you really talked about you you know it, it felt like the strength of the Witcher was in its protagonist, um, and and Geralt, uh, you know. So how how do you like Henry Cavill's Geralt of Rivia? How do you like him? Me? Yeah. I I think he's a perfectly serviceable Geralt. Um, I like. I appreciate like off camera. Uh, Henry Cavill is apparently a, a big nerd and is like legitimately into this stuff. So I like that. I like that he's like honoring the um, source material and not just showing up and saying lines to collect a paycheck. Um, I think he looks a little wrong for Geralt. Um, and I think he does a fine job just like being gruff guy, but it's not the perfect Geralt for me. And I think maybe it's like your first is your favorite. 
you know so like for me the video game Witcher 3 Geralt is Geralt um the the audiobook version um the guy who reads the audiobooks is brilliant he's great he plays Geralt with a kind of northern english accent like uh Paul Hollywood from Great British Bake Off like that kind of accent uh like like underbiked you know um <laughs> i think that's our that's the besimir for season 2 Paul Hollywood that's a great idea <laughs> is he going to give Geralt the handshake <gasps> you heard it here first um so yeah i think perfectly fine great introduction for people who have never never known about the witcher um but i i think there's better um who would you have cast it like did you have somebody specific in your mind that would fit the uh, role and we mm. should note this is not the first uh, tv series there was a tv series i think in poland uh or europe or yes, at least a yeah, couple of was. movies um like way back in the early 2000s i believe but yeah um was there somebody else that was in your head that would so shooting from the hip, yeah, like Hugh Jackman, because hmm. Wolverine is like very similar in many ways. Okay, um, I don't know, maybe Fastbender, mm. May- maybe, but like you know, I I have not thought of this. Okay, um, for everybody else who's not a Henry Cavill hater, what? what? Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, what do you what do you all think of of his version of of <laughs> Geralt? I think it's fun. I, it's it's a little bit more, uh, like football player, mm. um, you know, because he's really he's this like super fast, super elegant swordsman, and Henry Cavill is a little bit more like brute force. He's he's that Superman, but he's oh, clearly yeah. having so much fun playing this role. Yeah, and, like that is just really cool to watch, like like somebody just digging in, and. You know, it's it's a character that allows you to ham it up a little bit, because um, he doesn't take himself or anything that he does all that seriously, mm-hmm. except when he's about to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I think it's 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 a fun watch, and it's it's fun to see him ride that line of like somebody who just wants to go out and make some money and have a good time, and then somebody who has like a very few things that are really really important to him. Yeah, he well, he fought for the role. Like they they said no initially, and he um, <coughs> he was really hounding his agent and having his agent hound the producers and really fighting for the role. So I I definitely respect that. It's I don't know. It's it's kind of a challenging. Like anytime you have a main character that's not supposed to have emotions, it's um like it's kind of a hard sell. So I think that he kind of sits in this um, broody uh, kind of state of being most of the time. But uh, that's like for the game, it works because you're, you know, you're kind of dealing with the emotions of, of your side characters and your, you know, everybody you're coming into contact with. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's fine for the the show. It You know, he's it's uh, like you said it's it's fun it's you know him just being gruff and uh just brooding a lot but it it leads to you know good action sequences and uh and the other characters around him are more interesting i think oh i think he does a really good job um it's really hard it's a hard position to be in 
where you have like this very well-known um, sound of a character and then you're stepping into those shoes. So I, I think I applaud him for kind of taking that on and also kind of making it his own without, I don't think that he in any way lessens um, the, the voice actor, I'm forgetting his name, I should know this. Uh, is it, is it Doug Cockle? Is that, is that who it is? Uh... The internet is literally in front of me. I should just look. Uh, but um, I, I don't think that he lessens that performance in any way or places. I think he just sort of like adds to, which is, I mean, I, forgive me for making this comparison, but when you asked, what do you think about Henry Cavill uh, when, when it was announced that he was cast? I think I've kind of learned my lesson to have doubts when I doubted Heath Ledger as, as the Joker. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So to kind of make the comparison too, where Heath Ledger does not replace Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill does not replace, um, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson in any way, or Cesar Romero, if that's your thing. Um, it's, it's, it adds another layer to a character that I think is very obviously new to a lot of Western audiences, but, you know, um, you know, uh, for Poland, it's like, this is, this is their, their Captain America, which is funny to say. I think it's interesting you bring up like, um, it is Doug Cockle. I, I think it's interesting you bring up like he's got to embody this role that this voice actor has been portraying for so long, which I feel Rosario Dawson just had to do this with Ahsoka Tano. Spoiler alert. Um, and uh, I, I agree with you, Jake. Like I think what he like he doesn't take anything away from the role. Um, it's so interesting. Like you, I think he's the right. Geralt but for the wrong reasons like I I believe him as Geralt because I know this is a role he wanted to play so bad and he gives like 3000% when he is on set uh, and like he just freaking loves it which you know what I guess I would rather have the actor want the job than like be right for the role and not want to be there you know do you think do you think there's a level of like I mean, when you're watching like a transform, uh, you know, a transformative performance, um, you, you at a lot of times forget the actor and you just see the character. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think it's really, really hard to achieve now, just with the internet the way it is, and you're you're watching, you know, the, the lead in. This is Henry Cavill. He's also this. Um, but I, I think even with that, he does a really good job of whether it's just you know the. The, the wardrobe and makeup of I, I do get to see a separation between Cavill as I see him Superman um, and then Geralt. So do you, do you think that, that 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 might be kind of like lending into how you feel about maybe it's not the right time or right situation? <clears throat> like that he's not transformative? Right. I mean, like, do you think that that it's like maybe even setting up him up to the place where he's going up against somebody who has like defined the role by a voice oh. through you know, a video game? I don't know. I, I the only person I would really label as a transformative actor is Gary Oldman. I think every other actor on the planet from Fassbender to um, Hugh Jackman are just kind of playing shades of themselves. I really only think Gary Oldman is the only person I've ever seen on screen who like flat out just changes everything about himself. I'm sure there are other people, but that's just who springs to mind for me. <laughs> Meryl Streep. 
Oh yeah, sure, sure. Whatever. What is she? What has mystery ever done? Oh, we're, no, we're talking about actors <laughs> that have vaginas. Oh, okay. Um, well. So this is a different podcast, but I'm going to say David Bowie. Ooh, well, that's that's good. Um, I would also I would add that like I think it's a really smart move to bring uh, Siri and Yennefer's stories to the forefront on the TV show. Yeah. So it's not all just Geralt like slouching around in the mud. Like, you get yeah. these really different perspectives on the world. Um, well, yeah, and yeah. And then we come back to him, and we're like, oh, we can see this guy again. <clears throat> well, and it goes back to kind of what Mark said, or uh, uh, kind of what Sean said about, like, Geralt, because he's kind of the player avatar, doesn't change a lot. Like, he's just gruff all the time. <sighs> you know? So, like, the characters around him tend to be who are interesting because they have to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if from the book I would feel the same way, but I, I can see like in the video games why that would be. You know, we haven't really talked about like Triss or Siri or Yennefer, uh, and we probably should. <laughs> A little bit. Um, also Roach. And Roach. And Dandelion. Uh, yeah. I don't like Yennefer. I'm gonna say it. Um... You're not really supposed to. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, and I don't. I find her casting, I think the actress plays her well in the show, but it just, I was like, oh, they're really casting her young. Like, if for some reason to me, Yennefer was like late 30s in my head. And then when I saw the show, I was like, oh, is she supposed to be in her 20s? I'm so confused. No, they're, well, she's probably a couple of hundred years old. Oh, is that all? But because all of the sorceresses have access to magical powers, mm-hmm. and this is actually addressed in like the second book, they're like, yeah, any magic user can control their own aging. Oh, nice. So the men usually stop themselves in their like mid-40s, so they look authoritative, hmm. and the women usually stop themselves in their late 20s, so they look attractive. But that's totally like a choice. Oh, well, glad to see we're still doing that <laughs> in the world of magic. Yeah, can I can I just I've been this I've been sitting on this for a while. Like I know that this is like a Polish novel written in the 90s, but in the Witcher series, like video games, uh, books, and in the Netflix, it's so horny. Like, oh my god! Like it's like, uh, it's like ah, uh, the sorceresses like they are so powerful. They they influence politics. Um, and by the way, like when they become sorceresses, we give them big old titties. Like, okay, sure. And it's like Gerald once again saved the the dryads, and they all got naked and tr- asked if they could use him for genetic material. And it's like what. Like <laughs> so, the most unsettling part of the first game is that you actually get collectible, like naked trading cards of all of the women that you sleep with, oh, and you can boy. like go back oh, and boy. view that gallery. And they apparently had to tone the trading cards down for the American audience. Well, I I can believe that. <laughs> it's weird. I don't remember the show being like boobs and dragons as much as game of thrones is boobs and dragons like game of thrones is very much remember the genie episode yeah i mean aside from that episode though like like or there were so many times Jennifer in... gets her surgery to become like unhunchbacked and just like rips off all her clothes for no okay no, those no. Two... maybe it's because game of thrones was on for eight years but it like for game of thrones it was just like 
We have a scene in a brothel. Here's another scene in a brothel. This scene's not even in a brothel, but everyone's <laughs> naked. Um, maybe it's just because it's only been on for a year. I don't know. Well, it's, I think it's also the HBO Netflix <laughs> yeah. difference. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like both of these series kind of originated in the 90s, so I don't know what it is with just like fantasy and sex. We're going to sell fantasy with sex. Boobs and dragons. I don't know. But but these are these. This is the grown up version of like the twelve year old kids who are playing D anD D, and they're like, and then uh, Org Barbarian approaches you, and she takes off her top. I mean, I, th- I think for it's also that sort of thing where you play like you know Baldur's Gate or whatever, uh, and you see like armor for the male uh, barbarian just like totally decked out. Maybe it's better for Diablo and the female barbarians, barely anything. Right. Same armor class and everything. Um, but also, I mean, and not to like dig too far, but if you also read any interview with the author and I think you'll kind of get it as to why it's kind of like that with Andres. Oh man. Now I really want to read an interview with him. He, I, he did a, I remember he did a, an interview with a Gizmodo, uh, where he was quoted as, I don't, I do not like working too hard or too long. Um, is just the pull quote, but just his, he's generally kind of known for being a little surly, um, mm. a little hard to interview, which I think you're like, Hey, more power to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he kind of has that sort of, um, I can see it. He's got a bit of a, of a hard edge. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I throw something out here? Um, a little, uh, excerpt from the text uh the sword of destiny which is a series of short stories about Geralt um this was also written in the 90s so this is a scene where they're hunting a dragon all these different parties of like marauders Geralt's there Yennefer's there everybody has their own agendas Geralt gets like tied up and uh is incapacitated out on the field and Yennefer is arguing with these mercenaries um and they might they get the better of her and like knock her on the head and tie her to a wagon wheel. Um, the bad guy mercenary says, "Well, Yennefer, how do you plan to turn me into a gelding now when you can't move a hand?" He tore the collar of her coat and then ripped and wrenched open her blouse. Yennefer shrieked, choked by the reins. "I don't have time now," he said, groping her shamelessly to the cackling of the dwarves. "But wait a little while, witch." Once we've sorted out the dragon, we'll make merry. Like, this, there's no reason that, like, these bad marauder guys, who we already dislike, have to be like, hey, let's, let's, let's write it so they feel her boobs while she's tied up. And, like, of course, ultimately, they, she gets loose, and, like, they get beat up. Uh, they don't get killed, which some other, like, peasant characters do, which I, I find problematic. And it's like... Why Why did the author put that in there? Just for, like, titillation? Uh, no pun intended. Um, but that moment <laughs> is also followed by, like, a two-page scene where Dandelion stares at her breasts and keeps insisting that it's fine to do so because he's about to die. It... And it's just, like, over and over and over. Well, so it has a lot of the same problems a lot of things do from the 90s. Yeah. And before. yeah. Yeah, I have to put an explicit warning on my podcast now, Mark. Thank you. Um, I mean, you could cut that and <laughs> no, just be it's like... it's fine. It's fine. Um, no, that's... How did we get... We were talking about... How did we get on this subject? We were talking... Uh, we were, we were talking oh, about the, the actress's show. age. 
And oh, then it's like, okay. oh, how come all the girls have to be hot? And I was like, why, why this series got to be so horny? I'll say, I, I like the casting, though. And, and I especially like the casting for Triss, um, which is, is not exactly as they had it in the game. But I really love the actor who they um, who they cast for, for that role as well. And I think, I think that the... I don't know I, I it was as we were talking about before. Like I'm more interested in Yennefer, and also I'm, I'm much more interested in you know Triss because I know the character, so I want to see where that goes. And then in Siri as well, who I it's having played only a limited amount of the the second game, fully this fully beaten the third game besides the expansions, but having not read the books, Siri is brand new to me. So learning a lot about her is really cool, and kind of seeing that difference between like um, a young, like early 20s woman in like in what she seemed to be in The Witcher 3 versus like a 13-year-old girl in the Netflix series. Yeah, I I started, I was playing Witcher 3 as the series came out and like a series just wildly different in those two things. You know, like she is a, she is like mini Batman in The Witcher 3 uh, that you are just following after. And in the show, I was like, this Siri? What? Like, then I was like, well, clearly they're pulling from material I have not read. Um, but I, I like the cast now. It, like, the show just, the show works. It should not work. It works. Yeah, <laughs> it totally the, works. The casting, the casting choice that I was uh, going to say that I really like is Yennefer. I think that, uh, I think she's great. Like, the... Um, the physical choices she makes between the two and a lot of that is makeup but she she does not overdo the hunchback thing she doesn't overdo any of the physicality but it's so drastically different but it all feels uh at least to me really natural and so the so when she does change instead of it just like oh i you know let down my hair and took off my glasses it feels like a big change and um and and also the the emotional range that she goes through from where she starts to where she you know takes power, uh, I think is really compelling, and I think she does a really good job. Yeah, it, it it's interesting. I watched the first episode of the series, and I did not like it. Like I I just thought it looked the the fight in the swamp at the very beginning of the show looked like really bad CGI. I, I knew Henry Cavill was loving it. But I just like it did not grab me, and I remember talking to you, Pete, and you were like, "Oh, you got to you got to get past the first episode." Yeah, it's it's a really yeah. awkward opening. Oh yeah, um, the show didn't grab me until he hunts the Striga, and that episode I was like once, which I think is the third episode, just completely I was on board. I was totally on board. I loved it, um, and I don't know why, but I never get tired of Henry Cavill just going fuck. <laughs> like, like he does it I don't know I don't know if he's hung out with if he really wanted to be Wolverine or Batman and never got to be whatever it is that I'm very happy for him <laughs> well it's it's a nice human reaction that a lot of like action heroes and especially fantasy heroes don't get to have mm. just be like god damn it yeah like because that's that's what you actually think when like some horrible thing rises up in front of you not you shall not pass right you know um so we are over the hour mark um let me go check on my daughter real fast and then when we come back we're going to talk about the future of the show and the future of the games if there is one
So, the series came out, and it was very well received. Uh, and they are making a season two of the show. I don't know if it's coming out on time or due to COVID, if they've had production problems. It looks like CD Projekt Red is, is moved on to Cyberpunk. I don't know if they will do a Witcher 4, but I mean, there's clearly more material to pull from. Um, but they may be happy to be done with the franchise. So uh, this, I guess this is kind of a, a secretly a two-part question. But what do you what do you hope is the future of The Witcher? You know, either with the show or if they were to go and do a, a fourth game. You know, like what what would you all want them to do, if anything? Uh, are they you are? saying that cyberpunk isn't in the uh, Witcher universe? Because <laughs> well, weirdly, with some of the stuff you learn in Witcher Three, it might be. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe I don't. Know. I mean, cyberpunk um, looks really many good. Worlds. I'm not gonna lie. Um, they they are apparently planning on a Witcher Four after cyberpunk is up and running. Okay. Um, but not about Geralt. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't want anything else with Geralt. I mean. The thing I would want is a remake of the first game, and maybe the second game. Yeah, if they could would, do like a remaster, I'd be all of those, in for that or a rebuild. Yeah. Uh, what are they thinking of doing with if it's not Geralt? There's just there's a new protagonist. Just not a lot of info out. Is it? The They're w- just like it's still in in the works, but I feel The Witcher is kind of his story. Like, how do you? Okay, whatever. Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know. I'm just. Yeah, you're just, you know? yeah, okay. I'm just a guy who just read an article. Just read an article. Uh, my other guests, what about the rest of you? What do you What do you want the future of The Witcher to be? I could see, um, I could see, I think it's a strong enough world that it could be, there could be another protagonist. Um, the, the way that it's a fantasy, but it's also kind of a monster um, fairy tale stories, uh, I think is strong enough that you could have either another witcher or you start playing a sorcerer or um or just a, a guy that's fishing all day long um but maybe <laughs> oh, the next one. but like a I witcher mmo yeah, yeah uh i think that there's i think there's enough there for for more story i want more video games but i don't want them to mass effect andromeda it and just be like ah, it's the same but prettier um for me like I I don't want a movie. I'm cool with Netflix series continuing, but I don't want a movie. I think um, like uh, maybe like an animated, like the Animatrix situation made up of s- short stories within the universe would be cool. Um, but I would like a video game um, set in like sort of like the, the Legend of Korra-esque situation where it's like, like 300 years after the time of Geralt, there are still some monsters, there's new technology, and the witchers still exist as like this dusty organization that few people remember. Um, but like vampires are still rocking out because they live super long. And so now we have like steampunk, uh, like next generation of witchers trying to solve these problems and their political intrigue and stuff. So sort of same world, but uh, with some modifications. See, I was actually going to say go the other way and like see the world when humans just get introduced to the idea of magic Mm. and like, like witchers have to figure out how to be a thing. I think it'd be really hard for me to get behind a witcher game without Geralt, just because he's very, you know, he's so synonymous with, 
the series. And I feel like there's a lot of, uh, especially just kind of what I've you know, been hearing uh, here and how he's very different from other Witchers. The, the way in which you as a player approach the game and have the option to either slay or not or entreat or, you know, kind of have uh, a hand in like political machinations, I feel like really tie into this character and kind of having like that, this, this, his role sort of ripped away from him slowly over time. And I think, I think it'd be kind of like, maybe this is a bad analogy, but having like playing, uh, like focusing on Faramir in the Lord of the Rings, when the story is about, you know, Frodo and Aragorn, and I want to know what's going on there. Like, this is cool. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, the Rangers of the, uh, you know, of Gondor and whatnot, but like, I, I, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if the world's, I think the world's interesting, but I don't think it's enough for me to get behind it in the same way that I did with The Witcher 3. Yeah, I I still need to finish Witcher 3, uh, and there's just so much content there, which is great. Um, I definitely, I, I'm definitely with you, Mark. Like, I don't want them to Mass Effect and drama to this. Like, I know that game just didn't work for a lot of people for a variety of reasons which is so strange coming from Bioware and after having done like a brilliant, truly like innovative trilogy. Um, so I wouldn't want CD Projekt Red to, to, to do that to The Witcher. You know, I think it's smart that they've moved on to a totally different type of game with, well, I mean, not a different type, but a different world with cyberpunk. Um, so I guess, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it just depends what the, how cyberpunk is received. Like I could, I could see cyberpunk if it comes out being their main bread and butter if it does really well, you know, because nobody's, I feel, really doing cyberpunk stuff right now. So I think they're kind of see, trying to see what they're doing with that. And obviously the Netflix, I got to imagine the show is going to run for years. <laughs> if, if Henry Cavill has a say, the show <laughs> will run for years. Well, he just recently signed on, from what I heard as, as a rumor, uh, for three more pictures of Superman. So that might have some either conflict with it, or he may have made sure that there is availability in the schedule to do The Witcher and uh, subsequent DC films. <laughs> right? Like there's a Witcher clause where he's like, look, I'll put on the cape again, but I gotta play Geralt. It's what it's my thing. I gotta do it. <laughs> I gotta I'm keep up. the mustache. I gotta keep the mustache. Oh, yeah. Um, we're here at the end, friends. Is This has been a long quest line. Are there any final <laughs> thoughts on The Witcher? Is this your favorite game of all time? Would you t- Do you tell your friends to play this? What, what, what final thoughts do we have here real quick at the end of the, at the, end of the show? I think a, a, quick, a quick thought. Like I haven't played it in a couple of years. I want to go back and play Blood and Wine. I am getting hung up on the horse <laughs> physics because there's so many games that have come out since then that yeah. have horses. So it's 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 taking me some time to get used to the Witcher 3 horse again, which is hard. <laughs> right. Like, that's not the thing that should hold you back. It's no, just like shouldn't. riding a bike. But horse physics are, like, huge for me. <laughs> that's the quote of the episode. <laughs> You're a connoisseur of horse physics. I am. There's so many good horses in games, and they just keep getting better best horse so far red dead redemption 2 i i am ho i want to say a few witcher thoughts i had that i didn't get to express earlier number one um i think something special about this series like all game novels uh show is it's got that element of like the western 
slash samurai, where it's like the lone expert killer going from community to community, like just trying to make his buck, but all, all ending up getting involved in like trying to help people. Um, but at the end of the day, stoically walking off into the sunset. And I, I think linked to this, I love that witchers in this world are like feared and despised. They're like a necessary extermination service, but people don't trust them because they're mutants and they're sort of monsters. Um, and I love that like, like Geralt has to commit his life to this very difficult road. Um, and, you know, he's basically impoverished, just uh, itinerant. And the people that he serves are like, all right, here's your gold. Now get out of here. You know, like it's just it's such a um, like a, a, a sacrifice. He, he's like a martyr just saving us all from the monsters and not getting any credit for it. I think that's a cool aspect. It's a Batman like a little bit. Yeah, but Batman gets a signal. Which <laughs> witchers get like a post board and and then you show up and they're like, uh, oh, Witcher, yeah, you stay right over there. Listen, I'll tell you your mission, but don't you come into my pub. I do I, I do it's love like, how like everybody hates witchers, even though they're really helping everybody out. He's like the quasi socially acceptable single X Men, but as Wolverine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that we we didn't really hit on is the whole theme in all these games of like parents and children and like whether you can have children at all, like what replaces them, like what happens when you lose them, what would you do for them? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something they touch on in the first season of the show. Yeah. With, and it's it's yeah. huge from like like the first couple chapters of the books. Um, and in the books, he he definitely makes a choice to choose Siri as his reward after that banquet. Hmm. Like, like he's like, you know what? We need new witchers. I think that's, I think that's like one thing I loved. I loved about the, the narrative thus far of the third game um, is just like, you're trying to find your daughter cause the wild hunt is after her. Like that just clicks for me, even though even though the other games have really cool openings. Somebody's become a dad. Somebody's become a dad, so uh. it really clicks with me as far as like I get it. Got to stop the wild hunt. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point you bring up, Pete, about family, family. Yeah, family. And I I agree with you that that's a really compelling driving force that uh for the video game is you've got to find this person it, that's what i liked about uh fallout 3 was it was this person is ahead of you and so you're constantly chasing it and you're constantly two steps behind and so i yeah <laughs> so stop playing gwent and go get her, <laughs> <laughs> go get her. Yeah. no 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 this is really important actually i have to finish this hand sorry there was a wild hunt i had to go deal with that <laughs> um Awesome, gentlemen. We're at the hour and a half mark. We need to bring our Witcher discussion to a close. Uh, I know we had much more to talk about, but it is time. Time to save our games, and we'll reload it later. Um, real quick, uh, are there anything, uh, social media handles, podcasts, anything else that you're working on uh, that you wish to pimp at this time? Pete, we'll just go in the same order. Uh, is there anything you're working on that people should know about? Um probably but none of it's findable yet so i'm sure i'll catch you on a episode sometime soon very good uh, very good um 
Jake, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow me at, at Jake and Zunza. It's Y-N-Z-U-N-Z-A. Not a hard last name at all at Twitter. Um, I'm, co- I'm, gonna, I'm actually in a, an upcoming series called World of Chaldea. That is a both live action and animated uh, high fantasy series by the, uh, the former president of uh, Wizards of the Coast. Um, it's awesome. It's coming out uh, on YouTube the 20th of this month. Really excited. We've been working on it for a few years, and uh, the first season is dropping on YouTube. You can find it on uh, at worldofcaldia.com. Awesome. Uh, Sean, what about you? Um, well, there's not a lot of work going on right now. Uh, like last couple things, go speaking of video games, go check out Mortal Kombat 11 and uh, Call of Duty Cold War. Um, they're very fun. Um, and and you um, worked on them. You got to brag. I did, and yeah, and it's it's all about my motion capture work. It's really what makes it. Nope. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, check those out. Also, ableensemble.com. We're actually just finished our first set. We're doing uh, myths. So by the time this comes out, they'll be over. But next semester, we're doing all of our classes online. So uh, And we're doing our performances online. So check them out at ableensemble.com. Um, you can still listen to my sonorous voice uh, on my podcast, Blast Row Podcast. Um, nowadays, I'm more doing my spinoff on the same RSS feed, which is called Muffed Movies, an improvised movie comedy podcast where we act out movies in their entirety by memory. Um, so check out Blast Row Podcast. Um, also, I have become uh, Instagram noticeable um, as Mark underscore tries, where I try different types of foods and react to them. Um, my girlfriend has introduced me to many Asian foods that I've never known or understood, and uh, my mouth gets to experience them. Um, so that's that's my Insta. Um, also, I've got some uh, some stuff that I have nothing to do with, but for Witcher fans out there, you might like this. Uh, there's a YouTube series called uh, Girlfriend Reviews, where um, a woman reviews the experience of watching her boyfriend play certain video games. And there's a Girlfriend Reviews episode about Witcher 3. It's very good. They address the Gwent problem. Uh, the Gwent paradox. <laughs> um, problem. And then the other thing is, once you're done, you know, listening to this podcast and my own podcast, <laughs> check out Breakfast in Beauclair. Uh, Beauclair being a location from the DLC and the novels. Um, Breakfast in Beauclair is a very nerdy um, analysis of the different Witcher books, and now they're getting into the Netflix series as well. And uh, it's just a great place for Witcher heads to, like, geek out to. I, I have I have followed your Instagram, Mark. It is watching you try foods is a confusing but interesting journey. <laughs> Thank you. I feel similar. <laughs> um, the Nerd Outcast podcast will be returning next year. We have some fun topics coming up. We'll be discussing Dune. We're going to talk about The Mandalorian, uh, Christopher Nolan films, and Dark Souls, among other things. So be on the lookout for interesting topics in the very near future. If you have topic suggestions, you can always email them to nerdoutcastpodcast at gmail.com. And this will be our last episode of 2020. This also kind of doubles as our Christmas episode. Uh, somehow, <laughs> seeing as how 2020 kind of started with The Witcher, we've decided to end it with The Witcher. So from all of us here 
in LA, Chicago, and all over the United States. I wish everyone safe holidays and safe everything, whatever whatever you may be doing. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out today and talking about The Witcher. Uh, it's been a fantastic discussion. I'm probably going to go play that game now. We'll see. We'll good. see. Yeah, good. <laughs> I've been your host, Chris Bashan, and talking to me about The Witcher have been Pete Navis, Chicken Zunza, Sean Okerberg, Mark Soloff. Thank you, and have a good night. Bye.